bury the lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jens Ratty. And I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press music reporter Aaron Labar. Welcome to the show. You are doing some music reporting this I am. week, which we're going to talk about I in am. the Meg main segment. I feel like a real journalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a truly baffling it is. local story yes. that has a connection to Green Day. So you're going to talk about that later I am. on. <laughs> uh, we're also going to have, we have some celebrity goss that we want to get to as well. Yeah, we don't typically talk a lot about celebrities, which is weird to me. I know. Like, I feel like we tread that line of being like a, like a quote unquote entertainment journalism. Totally. And, and, and like culture. actual journalism. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, but there are a few things that we want to talk about and then it's bringing it all full circle talking about the portrayal of female journalists in movies as related to the film Richard Jewell. How was your week, Jen? Week was good. Um, How about we do an update on my Invisalign journey? Oh, okay, it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. Uh, Your so, teeth are looking very aligned. Thank you. I feel like they are aligned. <laughs> so, quick recap: I was doing Invisalign instead of braces because I have a very overachieving overbite. Basically, your top teeth should only cover 40 to 50% of your bottom teeth. I'm doing it right now to see. You are. Yeah, I can see your bottom teeth. Yes. yes. You almost can't see mine. At least you couldn't. So, they would cover like. They covered 90% of my bottom teeth. I never noticed it. Yeah. So I noticed it in that I was getting headaches and mm. stuff. And a dentist kind of recommended to me like, mm, this will get worse as you age. So you may want to consider it. So I started doing Invisalign. I was super not compliant. I had to I was do... going to say, your Invisalign journey has been a it long It has been one. long. And it's partially because I was not <laughs> being very good. So I feel like it actually really started at the beginning of 2018. I was like, okay, New Year's resolution or 2019. 2019. Yeah. This, this year. year. Yeah. Uh, New Year's resolution going to be super compliant, which I have been. I went through the entire 33 trade round, which is about 33 weeks. And I have to do another round of 33 trades. But I'm already on trade 10 and we're getting there. It's okay. getting closer. I had an appointment this week. And it's so interesting how you don't really notice slow changes. Mm. But when you look at the before to the after, it's like a different mouth. It's like a metaphor for life. I mean, minus I the know. mouth part. but I know. Yeah. Like just sort of sustained effort over time. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe I should apply these principles to other things. <laughs> to other things. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. How's your week? I tried to build an Ikea cabinet. Oh, my God. Which almost ended in divorce. No, I'm kidding. That um, is the true marital <laughs> test, though. It, it got to the point where because there were two two cabinets that you push together to make a sideboard. Right. Like, my husband worked on one and I worked on the other one in a different part of the house. Because, <laughs> like, away from each other because we were getting so frustrated. And he kept trying to... He bought this... Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to just shit on my husband a little bit right now but he bought this um like a it's like a drill but it's a screwdriver like an electric screwdriver but it looks like a drill okay interesting right and I kept trying to explain to him that if he tries to do that with these Ikea screws in this circumstance it's too too fast of a rotation and too powerful that you're going to strip the screw right and while he didn't entirely strip the screw I kept suggesting maybe you should just use this screwdriver instead and do it the old-fashioned way and I was trying not to get mad. And then I'm like, why don't you let me try? And then I did it. And then it worked. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just like 
let this sit with you and then I'm going to go over here. But then the, the doors are all uneven mm. and I've tried to adjust the hinges as per YouTube's tutorials. Yes. And it's making it worse. So now I don't know what to do. How uneven? Like uneven to the point where like one of the doors won't close because oh, it's like okay. it won't hit janky. The, yeah. yeah. So now I'm like, okay, well maybe I should take the doors off and like flip them around and see if that makes a difference. Or maybe I need to just call Ikea and be like, hey, you stink. Like <laughs> You can be like the little drawing with the scratching his head question mark. Yeah, bubble. that was yeah. me when we were trying. Because like I adjusted the hinges on the one that I built and it worked fine. Mm-hmm. But it's the other one that like the doors are all. I'm not suggesting that it was my husband's fault. <laughs> I promise you I'm not. I'm suggesting that there's something wrong with the hinges. Um, but it's it's so frustrating when you like. And it wasn't cheap. It was like $500. So I expect things to like, even though it's Ikea, I still expect it to like perform. Yeah. And so now I don't know. And and you spent all this time putting it together. And I'm just so excited to have the storage space to put everything away and finally get unpackedped. And then the door is like bojankity. It's always something. It's always something. I came home to a fully assembled Wayfair sideboard, which I was very excited about Mm -hmm. because I didn't have to do that. Yeah. but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, why is this so hard? So hard. And also, like, I understand that flat pack furniture is the future and that's how we get things yes. cost effectively. Yes. But like at some point, I just, I would let love, love to not have to build stuff. Well, yeah, I was just saying to Nick, to Nick my husband, that I'm like, next time we order furniture, I want to buy it built. Like I want it to, yes. to see it in the store say I want that one put it in my trunk and take it home and put it in the house I think that is a good argument kind of further to what we were talking about last year yeah or last year last, last week, week um about like buying furniture from like vintage places or, yeah like, you know because yeah. then it is assembled right like it's like oh yeah. there's this fabulous teak whatever I can mm-hmm. just bring it home um but yeah building furniture but if oh if any of our listeners know how to fix these doors, please send an email to bury the lead at winnipegfreepress.com because I would love your advice and suggestions. All right, Aaron. Tell us about the story. <laughs> so I guess this all kind of started in September, mid-September. I honestly can't remember how I sort of stumbled into this because mm-hmm. I'm not one to be trolling the Green Day forums on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> no, you not, don't say. I'm not a huge Green Day fan, even just like in general. Um, but I, like, I honestly can't remember how this came about. But um, these video leaks from a studio mm-hmm. had been posted on this like very mysterious Instagram page. And it was inferred that it was Green Day in the studio working on new songs. And in the video, there's like a an album or what appears to be an album like a new album cover for an, an unreleased record so, and, of, and of course these elements are like catnip to a super fan of a bit for sure and so the the reddit threads and the fan forums just like blew up talking about and because the the sound of the, the leak song it was just like a very short clip was sort of much more traditionally Green Day, like mm. 90s Green Day, as opposed to like how they've evolved. Yes. And My fans, preferred Green Day. Right. A lot of people's preferred Green Day, mm-hmm. which is what made the forums go nuts because they were like, oh my God, these songs are amazing. Like it reminds me so much of like my favorite records and blah, blah, blah. And then because these fans are so diehard, 
it was the legitimacy of these clips started coming into question, right? Because they're like, well, how do you know this is them? Blah, blah, blah. So all these conspiracies started developing as they do on the internet. Of course. And people who have a lot more dedication than I do (laughs) started like picking apart these tiny video clips looking for signs that they were either unequivocally true or false. Right. Um, And so after some very dedicated investigation from some of these fans, signs started pointing to a Winnipeg band called Panicland uh, as the people who have created these fake clips. Interesting. And I've interviewed Panicland many times. Mm -hmm. I know that they're fond of pranks and tricks and jokes. So I was like, well, honestly, this does sound like something that they would absolutely do. And these fans, like, I have to give them so much credit. <laughs> um, and this is all happening. They posted it first week of September. I'm kind of learning about this sort of middle of se- middle of September. Right. These fans managed to find a clip that Panaclan had posted, I want to say years ago, mm-hmm. when Green Day was last in town. They waited outside the hotel to sing a cover song of Green Day's to them when they left the hotel. And okay. they had a very brief interaction. And the the voice of Billy Joe Armstrong that you can hear in the leaked clip are snippets from that interaction between Panic Land and Billy Joe Armstrong, like exact cuts from that two sentences or whatever Whoa. that they cut and put into the leaked video to make it seem as though it was him in the studio because it is his voice. Oh my God. These people deserve to be on like a spotlight team. Like. I know. <laughs> I know. And they were like... I'm like, I don't even know how you did this. Like, it was unbelievable. So then I'm following this, and then I email the band. I'm like, hey, just FYI, like, this is what's happening. I don't know if you care to comment on this. Yeah. Is this you? Is this you? And they said, oh, we've heard about this too. Huh? It's not us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm pretty sure after they posted that audio stuff, that I'm like, this has to be them. Um, and also because we know that they love pranks and tricks right. and stuff. It's all adding up. Right. So then the story kind of goes away for a bit. And then yesterday... I get an email from the lead singer of Panicland saying like, hey, it was us. Here's a, a link to a video that we made explaining the whole process. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, but th- so the, that's all, that's, that's we- weird to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then this video that he sent me, I like, I can't even be upset about it because it's so, <laughs> it's just amazing the meticulousness of, of them doing this. So basically, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling, but this no, is you're such not, a weird but. story. So they found a fan had posted a track list, like a, a fake track list. I don't know, somewhere in a forum or Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Panicland took the track list, the fake one, and wrote songs for those okay. song titles. That is incredible. So they wrote a whole album in the style of Green Day. The singer, like, he manipulated his voice to sound like Billy Joe Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it's... Well, obviously not like perfect. It's probably yeah, the best imitation I've ever heard. <sighs> this is so elaborate. They altered their drumming style, their guitar style. They to like match Trey Cool and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. I'm so not a fan of Green Day, but uh, Mike Dirt. Mike, yeah. So they changed everything to match that style. They <laughs> altered the way that their studio looked to seem like similar enough to the studio that Green Day has taken pictures in or put video in. Wow. They were like, okay, well, we know f- we know uh, fans will notice if a sleeve is down to cover tattoos to try to hide the fact that it's Billy Joe. Right. So he pulled his sleeve down to hide the tattoos he doesn't have. Oh, my gosh. To seem as like, though he's trying to hide tattoos. This is a long con for what? Yeah. 
I, publicity. <laughs> they they designed the album cover. They took a stock photo and then photoshopped the band's faces over this like piece of Renaissance art, and then photoshopped the tattoos onto the bodies, and basically printed it out on glossy paper and taped it onto a record they got at a secondhand store to make it look like a real album. Oh my goodness! Yeah, this is involved. I know. So I'm talking to him, the singer, this afternoon to kind of just go over everything. But like, holy cow. Holy cow. And I've been diving deep in the forums and people aren't even really mad about it. They're like, this troll is so good. That yeah. We can't even get mad. It's so, and I mean, and the songs are, are good. Well, I think it, like it seems, and I mean, you'll find this out later, but it seems like Panicland is a Green Day fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. They've now, they're now calling it like a fan fiction album. Yeah. So it kind of comes from a place of love, which is also kind of a cool thing. Cause I've never, I've never really thought about the idea of a fan fiction album rather yeah. than a fan fiction piece of writing. Yeah. Super interesting. It's very weird. And, um, I've been again, deep in the forums, uh, trying to get comments, like see comments from people. And one of the band's touring managers posts in the forum occasionally. And he basically said like, well, the band knows about it. They have a sense of humor about it. I mean, they could sue sue the band if they wanted to, but I don't think they're going to. No. This um, is all very punk rock. Yeah, it is a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just been such a strange, strange story. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking to you. Um, and just like, what would possess you? I think it's, for me personally, I feel like it's just a massive publicity stunt because their Instagram followers have like gone up and up and up and up. Yeah. People are asking them to post this because th- they like the song so much. They're asking the band to release the songs. Well, that's also kind of a hilarious angle too, is that the songs are actually good. Like yeah. I think it would be one thing if the songs weren't, but. Well, people in the forum were like, if you release this as a record, I would buy it. Like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so they're already, they posted them yesterday and they already have like several thousand streams on these two tracks that they released. Well, I look so, forward to the update. Yeah, I'm going to talk to the lead singer in about an hour or so, and uh, I'm going to be doing a big story about it, and we'll see what's what's see up there, but it's up. it's a really weird, weird thing happening. No <laughs> doubt. You found this story also. Yeah. Uh, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. we. This is our celebrity gossip, which we don't usually do, yeah. but we, we're going to. There's gonna. a bit of a news. There's a bit of a news. Peg. Yeah. Um, so... You can probably explain it better. Yeah, so he was on set filming, I think it was a movie, maybe a TV show, and some paparazzi, paparazzi, (laughs) um, got a photo of him holding hands with his co-star. I think they were out at a restaurant or out and about. Okay. Yeah, not on, I don't think it was on set. I think they were like in a social setting. Mm. Um, And he, Justin Timberlake's response was to like send out a public statement apologizing to his wife. So yeah, like a public apology, not enough to just be like, hey, sorry when they're at home one night, but to have it be like, yeah, this quite performative display of contrition. Right. Which is kind of weird on its own. Mm-hmm. But some of, some of, I don't even know what the appropriate term, not fans, but like society, I yeah, suppose. People have pointed out. People have pointed out that perhaps this effort might have been more useful when he was busy throwing Janet Jackson under the bus at That's the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. And like that would have been a more appropriate time to offer a public apology to a woman that was wronged by your actions. No doubt. And I wonder if it is a bit, and I mean, this is a topic that I we've written about, we've talked about on the show before too, but just the sort of notion of cancel culture, mm. which I kind of don't 
believe is a thing because people seem to be welcomed back with open arms. But it seems like people are quicker to the apology. In what way? In, I don't know if this happened, if this would have happened 10 years ago that he would have said anything at all. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, I think it would have just been like, yeah, okay, like jump to your own conclusions, but whatever, who cares? Yeah. Now, just because, two things. One, I think people are just way more into each other's lives because social Mm. media has allowed us to be everybody's paparazzi now. Um, but also the impulse to get out in front of stuff. Yeah. It's a lot quicker these days. But also, but uh, yeah, quicker, but also in some cases detrimental. Because if he had not said anything, people would have forgotten about this the next day. Absolutely. It was not a big, it's not like he was caught like literally sleeping with her in a vehicle. Like, you know, like exactly. he was holding her hand at a restaurant. Maybe he had, there was like a bunch of empty beer glasses. So like he had been drinking and like. Maybe he maybe it was a two seconds where he reached over and grabbed her hand for some reason and yeah. they just caught the shot. You know, yeah. who knows? So I feel like in this case, it was trying to get in front of it was actually really detrimental because there was nothing to get in front of. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes it's better to just and especially be the added galling factor of the Janet Jackson thing where. Right. Because she was blacklisted. Yeah. She was like un like I think it was Viacom who said you can no longer perform on any of our platforms. Yeah. And it was his fault. It was absolutely his fault. And yet he had a very amazing career and performed again in the Super Bowl just a few years after that. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, JT. Also, your last album was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Just putting it out there. Um, I also want to talk another B that I have in my bonnet. Um, So Clint Eastwood who's still alive <laughs> who i thought was like just a very old 75 year old but Jen no. told me he's 89 <laughs> like he'll be 90 in may oh. um he made a movie called richard jewel which is about uh the man who was falsely accused of the bombing that happened during the 1996 olympics in atlanta right um he was a security guard that was like ended up being the fbi's lead suspect and uh he was not responsible uh, the bomber, who I believe his name is Eric Rudolph, he's a serial bomber, ended up going away for the crime that he committed. Um, but this movie is ostensibly about his Richard Jewell being uh, falsely accused okay. of a terrorist act. Uh, our film critic, Alison Gilmore, gave it two stars. She referred to it as a partisan hack job. Ooh, ouch. So it's very much like the media is bad. And here's an example of why. How we cause everyone's problems. Correct. <laughs> um, my issue with it was uh, the movie just is out this Friday. Um, but there it was already getting a fair amount of attention for its portrayal of a reporter named Kathy Scruggs. Mm-hmm. It was the one who broke the story about him being the FBI's lead suspect. Right. Uh, and in the film, it's implied that she's trying to exchange sex for information. Great. You know, tale as old as time. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, a lady journalist cannot possibly get a hot scoop without using her hot bod because it's anything for a store like can we stop with this already what makes this galling is the fact that kathy scruggs was not a fictitious person she was a real person right she's also dead so she can't defend herself right so the newspaper she worked at is and demanding that the movie add a disclaimer that they have taken huge liberties with this true story. right like how would they ever even know that that happened well and also like you already have a very compelling story yeah do we need to add the sexy sex to it like 
I don't, I don't think that we do. And it's just, it's such a well-worn trope that you can't even call that a creative choice. And also, was that ever true? <laughs> like, I don't or know is where... that just something, in my mind, it's something that films and television and... It's an invention of horny male directors. Like, right. that is what this is. Right. I, I don't know anyone who has ever done that. Well, because it's a major ethical breach. Well, yeah. And so I wrote a column about this that, of course, some people are going wild about. Somebody took exception to the fact that I hadn't seen the movie. I'm like, well, our film critic has. And also I was reporting about the news about the controversy not and the trope more broadly. Yes. Not a film review. Um, but also, it's boring. And I want people to realize that that's boring. And right. so from a creative point, so whether we're talking about like when we're talking about movies as entertainment, that's a boring choice. But we're also talking about how depictions of journalists affect how people see them in the real world. Oh, absolutely. So that's a problem. And you know what? There's already so much sexism that exists in this profession. Oh, yes. Such as the woman who is trying to cover a marathon and a runner. That was what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Hit her on the butt. Yeah. On air. They found him, though. Did you see that they found him? Yes. And he's a youth minister. Yes. Like appalling. Her face. I know. Of course. I. Oh, man. They played that clip on. I can't remember where I was watching it. And I can't say that if I were her that I would not have run after him. Oh, I, on live television. The fight or flight instinct <laughs> would strongly like, fight. I don't know how she kept her cool and finished her live hit. I have no idea. Yeah. So this matters because this happens to us all the time. Yes. Like I remember a reader telling me that the column photo in which I'm smiling is better. Oh my God. Every television reporter that I know has had unsolicited comments about their haircuts or their glasses or their baby bumps or their dress. Tr- like it's just constant and i mean as someone who interviews musicians every day of her life well that's right i've had plenty of very inappropriate comments hurled my way and you have to draw the line between that and what people see because suddenly it's an assumption that female journalists are like these ambitious like ethically loose ladies that will just you know (laughs) do do anything anything for the story anything for the story Uh, yes it's very frustrating but it's added the added frustration comes from the fact that they were doing this with a real person who isn't alive yeah. to defend her. That's defamation. Like, it's not... It is, yeah. You know, and it's also um, a way to make her look like a punching bag in a very cheap way. Like, I don't know, like as Allison said in her review, I don't know that she necessarily needs to be the avatar for everything wrong in journalism. Yeah. But yeah, the, the trope that... And you see it all the time. Like even Amy Schumer's train wreck, she ends up sleeping with the yeah with her, her subject with her subject. Yeah, um, yeah. There's so many, and and people will be like, well, like what if what if in movies like they truly fall in love? It's like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how attractive you find your subject. Right. That's a no can doozle. Yeah. <laughs> you yes. know? Like, yeah. You can't. Yeah. That's your credibility is big time on the line. Absolutely. But you'd think because of Hollywood's portrayal of journalism. This happens this every ha- day. This is just like a big, big issue. <laughs> yeah. Like, ugh, drives me crazy. We're going to end the show with reading, watching, listening because we haven't done that for a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, and it'll, it'll be our last reading, watching, listening of the year. Probably, yeah. yeah. Would you like to go first? Sure. Um, our coworker 
Jill Wilson, who was on the pod a few weeks ago to talk about her kidney removal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, She has been watching this show called Younger on Amazon and needed someone to watch it so that we could discuss it. So I started watching it. Uh, It stars Sutton Foster and Hilary Duff and uh, like a bunch of other people. But those are the two sort of recognizable names. It's very good. It's it's only like 22 to 24 minute episodes. So it just like rolls, so rolls along rolls. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. There's five seasons and I started watching it on the weekend and I'm already in season three. So hilarious. <laughs> so um, it's, it's basically about this woman who, who is played by Sutton Foster. She was working in publishing. Then she quit her job because she got married and had a baby and was out of the scene for out of the work scene for 15 years. Then her marriage falls apart. Her husband was gambling, so she's broke. They lose their house. They get divorced. So she moves back. She's in New Jersey, moves back into New York City, finds that she can't get hired by anybody because nobody wants a 40-year-old woman who hasn't been working for 15 years. So then she pretends that she's 26 in order to get hired as an intern at this publishing company. Honey. Right. Um, And you'd think like, oh, how can a 40-year-old woman play 26? She's very good. I mean, (laughs) the later seasons, it starts to be a little bit more obvious that she's not in her 20s because she's nearing 50. Yeah. But um, but the first couple seasons, you're like, no, you could legit pass for 26 through 30. Yeah. Uh, And so it's just kind of chronicling her her time at the publishing company. And of course, it's like a a rom-com or sitcom, I guess. So there's some funny things and some dramatic things and she starts dating this 26 year old tattoo artist and oh my god yeah it's very it's just like a very light fun watch for sure yeah yeah while tackling ageism and you know because that is real yeah 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 and it's also it's quite funny so that's good um and then i also started watching i don't know i'm just diving deep into prime these days amazon prime Mm. Uh, i started watching old seasons of hell's kitchen that show with gordon ramsay where they like try to find a new head chef for a restaurant and i watch it now when it's like 15 years in. Mm-hmm. Has it really been on for that it long? It started in 2005. My goodness. Yeah. But these early seasons, I I don't know if they're just like wasn't the same sort of censorship rules or maybe society was a little bit more accepting of complete and utter rudeness. But he will shout at these chefs. And I know this is what he's famous for, but I guess I didn't realize it was this bad. Yeah. All I know about him is that he screams at people. Right. But I guess I didn't know that it was like, personal insults i thought it was just general screaming but he'll like call women women (laughs) women chefs (laughs) fat cows he'll like insult yeah people's weight people's looks like you ugly guy (laughs) like i can't can't say (laughs) what he actually says but just insert swear word here and it's like personal attacks and i like i'm almost like i almost have to stop watching it because it's really uncomfortable well yeah it's it's incredible to me that not only is that considered entertainment but the fact that he still is has this show (laughs) i know well now it's much more general and like like the yelling is just like oh you're doing things wrong not like you're an effing idiot you're an ugly poo head like it's like it's it's very personal and i'm like oh my god no wonder people hate you like Uh, like, well yeah yeah uh, it's it's intense so we'll see i might just fast forward to like the later seasons that i missed but these early ones are really making me anxious (laughs) yikes um i am also i really like how i tried to censor all of his (laughs) insults (laughs) you but you but just like insert a very crass word yeah (laughs) Um, I'm reading and watching, and it's a real high-low mixture, 
Uh, I'm still trying to, I don't know if I've talked about this because I don't really remember when the last time we did this segment was. And I feel like I've been reading this book for my entire life, but I'm trying to get through Margaret Atwood's The Testaments, which is the follow-up to The Handmaid's Tale. Is It seems quite long. It's not even that it's long. It's just, I think because of the world, I'm just like, hmm. When I am in the evening relaxing, I'm like, hmm, a dystopian nightmare <laughs> yeah, that feels too real. That's like, true. Hmm. So I'm Is still, it good though? Or are you enjoying it's, it? I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's yeah. interesting. It's definitely, um, I think it's influenced by the show a bit. So mm-hmm. basically it's from Aunt Lydia's point of view as well as a young woman. I've never read Handmaid's Tale. Who grew up in Gilead. So mm-hmm. if you are familiar with the Handmaid's Tale, you know, I also just remember I have a reading to add when you're done. Um, and then I've also been rewatching The Office. Oh, okay. Because um, I've actually never seen the whole thing. I've just kind I of seen either. bits here and there. And uh, yeah, that that show also sometimes it's like, wow, that's a that's a didn't hold that's up. That's a joke, NBC. <laughs> like my goodness. Yeah. Um, but it is really good, and uh, it, it's funny. The people that I used to find super annoying, I'm now like, hmm, I really enjoy your character. <laughs> like Dwight Schrute. Who knew? I'm like, mm. I really enjoy you. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of my uh, my escapism mm-hmm. lately. I just to add my reading. I just finished Elton John's um, memoir, Me. It's called Me. Perfect. Uh, I wrote a review for the paper. I'm not sure when it's running, but it was so good. It was like, I knew it was going to be good, but he is, has a very like lovely casual style to his writing. Like it seems like he's telling this whole story to an old friend, you know, it's very personable. And, um, I, what I like the most about it is like, I have a really hard time having sympathy for someone who is like extremely talented and extremely rich and like has a very good life but he doesn't he doesn't look for sympathy Mm. he is actually very self-deprecating and is very 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 funny uh in the way that he retells some of these stories so i love that yeah so if you have any interest i mean i'm only like a passive fan of elton john but if you have any interest in his life and his career i would really recommend reading it it's very very good and very funny awesome so you can find aaron's review and Aaron's <laughs> panic land story and everything else we've done at winnipegfreepress.com. You can also follow us on social media. I'm at Jen Zerati on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Ravel on Twitter and Instagram. And we will see you next week.